Jewel Radio presents What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Women positive news you can use. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to What She Said, brought to you tonight by Roar Publishing. From concept to content, I'm Kate Wheeler, and I am here with Christine Bentley. And we are delighted to be joined once again this evening by a What She Said talk regular, Vanessa Irochi, who's going to chat about a brand new course being offered and a challenge, too. Now, this is about using design thinking, and she will explain exactly what that is, to solve gender equality issues. And it's an extremely interesting concept. And if you think you may need a drink to get food, we have a distiller for you. (laughs) Young women don't often come to mind when you think of distillers, but Mill Street Brewery is breaking new barriers with the talented Martha Lowry, who's the force behind their new gin offering. It's a sipping gin to boot. Musicologist Eric Alper is going to chat with us about the shortest hot 100 hits. We did the longest 100 hits last Mm -hmm. week, and it's going to be fun to see how short short can be. Mm, I can't imagine what the shortest song Song, is. No, I don't know. We will also be talking to the founder of a new travel platform, Locify. Now, that links travelers with locals, so it's really like exploring a new place with a friend who lives there. And when it comes to travel, do you know the things that most impact your vacation happiness? Travel expert Angie Campanelli does, and she's going to share some great tips you may not have factored in. Now, we are going to have in our live studio sessions, Luke Austin. So you are in for a treat. He's an alternative rocker. And boy, the voice, the voice, the pipes on that man, let me tell you. Yeah, and everybody downstairs is saying, oh boy, is he ever cute. I've never had so, <laughs> so many. Who is that guy sitting in the lobby? Pretty handsome, yeah. <laughs> and a reminder that we have a pair of tickets to give away to the ninth annual Joy of Aging event in October. Visit whatshesaid.com for contest details. Again, a fun and informative morning exploring the issue of brain health and proceeds, all the proceeds go to the McKenzie Health Foundation. Now, we also have a $100 Walmart Canada gift card to be won. You can check out our website for details on the contest page. It's over on the right-hand side at the top. And, of course, the website is whatshesaidtalk.com. And please do join our conversation on Facebook. We are going to be doing Facebook Lives, a lot of them coming up. We certainly do the What She Said warm-up every Wednesday, uh, 10-ish. You can join us there. If you turn on your notifications, you won't miss any. Anything that we are doing live, you may not want to, especially during TIFF. We have some (laughs) fun events coming up. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after the break to talk to Vanessa Yarachi about a new course using design thinking, which is apparently going to solve gender equality issues. This is what she said. Stay with us. Join us October 22nd at Bellevue Manor in Vaughan for a morning of fun, learning, and great camaraderie. Learn how to stay sharp as you age with guest speakers Dr. Vivian Brown, Dr. Nazarene Katri, and MC Camilla Scott. A wonderful morning of breakfast, entertainment, special treats, and all proceeds go to Mackenzie Health Foundation to support the Domestic Assault and Sexual Abuse Center. Go to thejoyofaging.ca for more info and see you on October 22nd. Now it's the same. But with a different meaning since you've been gone, it's the same. 
If you have ever asked yourself what design thinking has to do with gender equality, you're not alone. I'm still asking myself what design thinking <laughs> is. Thankfully, a loyal What She Said supporter and show friend, Vanessa Iorocci, joins us today. Formerly a banking executive, Vanessa is now involved in all sorts of fascinating research and is also launching an intriguing course at Rotman School of Business this fall. Welcome back to What She Said, Vanessa. Thanks, Kate. Okay, let's start with, let's break it down. What exactly is the Institute for Gender and the Economy? Great. The Institute for Gender and the Economy is a academic think tank out of the Rotman School of Business. It was founded by Sarah Kaplan, who has been researching and has written all sorts of really fascinating papers about issues relating to gender and the economy. And to make this really simple, what is an academic think tank it's basically, um, you know, a collaboration of true academic researchers who are conducting objective, rigorous, scholarly research into issues that are a little controversial, maybe a little different, um, really trying to un- unearth new ways to look at gender challenges so that they can ultimately change the conversation. Okay, so then what is design thinking? Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Great question. Does it look good? Do the colors match? (laughs) (laughs) So to make this really easy, design thinking is essentially a framework for solving problems. And uh, it's a framework that really came out of Silicon Valley and um, the innovation space where um, problems were a little more ambiguous, perhaps not defined before. And, um, you know, when you explain it, 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 people say, well, what other way would you solve a problem? And it essentially is based on the premise that the solution to really complex, ambiguous problems, the solutions actually lie in understanding very deeply the people who experience that problem. So instead of a bunch of strategists solving an issue in a boardroom somewhere on Bay Street or Wall Street, Design thinking says, first go to the person experiencing the issue, really deeply understand their problem, follow them around, observe them in their environment, and really unearth what it is that they're going through. And from there, reframe the challenge and solve it using their input in ideating solutions. So to make this really simple, I'll use a Favorite example, women in investing. Um, So the women are known to not be as engaged in the investing process as men. Um, Often the way um, financial institutions solve that problem is that they um, run advertising campaigns or things like this. Mm -hmm. But if you actually, um, you know, do the research, as I've had the opportunity to do, what you really uncover is women feel that um, they're disrespected in conversations about investing. They feel that investing products don't necessarily meet their needs in terms of lifespan and rest tolerance, for example. And if we understand those specific challenges, then we can solve the specific challenge versus this broad, vague problem. Hmm. (laughs) So how does that... uh equate to equality? I mean, how does that lead to equality? Well, if you really understand a problem from the user's perspective, and you can define it better, and you can work with humans and the people that experience the problem to try to solve it, you get more specific problems to solve, but you also get solutions that are tested, 
So what this course is going to do at Rotman is it's going to engage a number of business students in addressing a challenge and saying, instead of us solving this in the classroom, go out into the field, talk to people that experience this problem, and actually build a prototype solution. And then go back into the field and test it with the users. For example, is this actually going to work? Are we going to actually mm. solve this problem? So what are some of the challenges you plan on discussing in the course? Well, uh, we have one challenge from um, a Deloitte conduit law, which is around how to you know, keep women engaged on the partner track in law firms. And you know, that's an example of one challenge. There's another challenge um, from RBC related to women in investing and how to have better conversations with women about their investing futures. Um, I'm hoping you ladies are going to contribute a challenge around women in media, for example. Mm -hmm. And we also have a uh, challenge from a young female founder who um, is having trouble raising funds for her business, despite the fact it's earning lots of money and she has a great track record. Now, Vanessa, yeah. you're an extremely bright woman, oh, and you're a very you. efficient woman. You get a lot <laughs> done. I'm wondering if if this is a new way of solving problems. Logistically, is that going to be feasible for companies to be able to send teams out observing people? And I mean, instead of sitting in a boardroom and, and at their computer? Well, there is a significant shift underway because... Unfortunately, companies are going to have to adapt because what you're what you're seeing is this pressure coming out of the startup community from Silicon Valley, from Toronto, which is now Silicon Valley North. This is how startups get things done. They don't have large budgets and 12-foot boardroom tables and, you know, they don't have the kinds of resources that some of these larger firms have. But what they do have is a lot of grit and the uh, passion to really roll up the roll up their sleeves and understand the customer. So, um, unfortunately, businesses are going to have to adapt, and I think you know it's going to be a bumpy road there. But really, taking approach to you know the way business has typically been conducted is you develop a strategy, you get funding for it, and then you launch it. And at some point after you've spent millions of dollars, uh, you start getting feedback from the market. And really, when you boil it down to first principles, that doesn't make a ton of sense, right? Right. Because if you can build something like a low-fidelity solution and just take it to market and test it, you actually save time and you save a lot of money as well. Mm -hmm. So is this something you see as 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 applicable to businesses of all sizes? And Absolutely. And all, all kinds of businesses? Absolutely. I think, you know, adopting a customer-first mindset and adopting a culture of, you know, we're prepared to test our ideas in market and we're prepared to fail. I think that's really the cornerstone of innovation. And unless you're ready to do that, you're never really ultimately going to be able to innovate. Hmm. And so, it's going to result in disruption. Yes. What's hmm. disruption? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm wondering. So disruption is essentially overturning um, an existing idea or solution um, you know, a really practical example of disruption would be the uh, Netflix replacing DVDs. They disrupted that market. They essentially completely obliterated um, the concept of going to the video store and renting a DVD because suddenly you can stream mm -hmm. online. So when will this course start and who can apply? Well, it starts uh, September 14th, and it is for uh, currently for Rotman MBA students. And um, 
we have 19 students enrolled, so I'm really excited. It's a new course, and as the course evolves, hopefully um, we will bring it to more of an executive education audience as well, uh, you know, so that folks out in the community can also uh, register. But for this fall, we're, it's focused on MBA students specifically. And will the research be released in some form so that other people can access it? Yes. So I'm hoping that, I know my students are going to be amazing, but I'm hoping that um, once they put together their projects and solutions, that we can really share their outcomes and ideas. Uh, Because that's really ultimately the purpose of the course is to say, can we really uh, take a a different approach to solving these problems and share our ideas with the world? Because... Frankly, most great ideas are iterative and built on fragments of ideas that exist in the world. There, there are very few truly brand new ideas. And is there anything else like this out in the world being taught? Uh, well, I couldn't find anything quite like this in a Good. business school. So, Good. Yeah. So I'm excited. Now we, we have to come up with a challenge. We have to, yes, <laughs> we do. Oh, I, I think you'll come up is, is with just, an amazing challenge. It's yeah. just working here. Yeah, on, yeah because that's um, a lot of students doing a lot of research that could be beneficial to a lot of people. Absolutely. That's excellent. Yeah, this sounds like a tipping point here. I hope in so. In terms of problem solving. I hope so. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to being updated, right, Kate? Absolutely. On all this, because... Uh, we need to learn how to solve problems yeah, and better, And you know too. I'll stay in touch. <laughs> this is what she said. Stay with us. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Adding some extra sparkle to your home is easy with Glass Lighting Gallery. Now with two locations to serve you, each featuring hundreds of in-stock pennants, lamps, and chandeliers to choose from. And both come with Glass Lighting Gallery's friendly staff that will help you find the perfect lighting solution for your home. It's bling for your home at Glass Lighting Gallery, 28 Commerce Park Drive in Barrie, and now open in Orillia at the corner of Mississauga and West Street. Visit glasslightinggallery.ca. Do you know someone with tingling, numbness, or pain in their hands or feet? Do you know someone with poor balance, difficulty walking, or at risk of falling? These may be symptoms of nerve damage caused by diabetes. Nutarnic Essentials Diabetic Neuropathy Supplement is targeted nutritional therapy for the maintenance of your health. Developed by Dr. Evan Lewis, an expert on nerve health and regeneration. Learn how to optimize your health today at Nutarnic.com. That's N-U-T-A-R-N-I-Q.com. Saturday night at the movies, don't know what picture to see? And Brody's got you covered. Did you like the film? Uh, no. Oh, we didn't. <laughs> okay. Well, that no. does I love your honesty. <laughs> Films about paranoia, I think they do us a lot of good. Because it's not happening to us. <laughs> I took your mom, Romy, who loves a good film. We laughed our socks off. I was so bored watching it. <laughs> a film critic who shoots straight from the hip. Saturdays on What She Said Talk. Fashion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. 
visit kernsandco.com. What She Said is more than women-positive news. First, it's a radio show on the Jewel Network with a dedicated and growing audience of affluent men and women aged 35+. plus. But What She Said is also a digital platform with thousands of followers, the ideal target market for your brand. What She Said features companies and trendsetters, those on the leading edge of fashion, business, lifestyle, entertainment, travel, technology, and finance. Get your brand on What She Said and get results. Go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. We have all been there and done that, ruined a potentially amazing vacation by just not planning or booking properly and feeling then kind of let down the whole time we're away. There are some very simple tips to ensure you have the best possible time. And joining us this evening to share her know-how and some interesting travel survey results is Angie Campanelli, a travel expert. Welcome, Angie. Thank you guys so much for having me. So it must be common for people to mess up Vacation Planning 101. Uh, Yes, very common. A lot of people don't want to do the work ahead of time. You know, they just want to point and click and uh, book the trip and not really put in that sort of legwork and doing the research. Mm. Um, But if you, an interesting stat, because Holiday Inn did do a survey recently, women are four times as likely than men to enjoy the planning and booking stage. So it's the women at the helm of planning that trip. Of course. Oh, yeah, well, or, or, or I put my daughter in charge of our trip to Croatia. She's very organized. She enjoyed doing it, and everything was fabulous. would have been mu- much better to leave it in her hands than my husband's, who just, you said, just let's go. Right, which is, out there. which is tends to be their strategy about the whole thing with trips is it's a vacation starting from the, day, the moment we think <laughs> yeah. we're going to go until we leave. I don't want to do any work. Uh, yeah, I know. But it must be a common mistake if they're now doing surveys. Oh, exactly. For sure. So what did the survey, what did you find? Well, the survey results Mm -hmm. are in. I'm just kidding. Drum roll. Um, Well, basically, the most important factor for Canadians is the room in the suite. So 44% of surveyed Canadians said that the actual place that they're staying really impacts their overall happiness. And if you think about it, especially with kids and if you're traveling with a family, That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you are going for um, the attractions and maybe beaches or the culture in the city. But if the place that you're going back to at night isn't somewhere that you want to be, it can ruin the whole thing. Mm. Um, Mm. So uh, do you guys agree? Do you find that? No, absolutely. I do. But what about for people who can't afford a top of the, like we'd all love to have, you know, the the top of the line Mm -hmm. suite. But what are the factors involved in choosing the right room. Well, I'm traveling with a family of five. So top of the line um, has nothing to do with the five star um, or, you know, expenses because it does cost a lot of money. What I find a lot of people are looking for is just space. You don't want to go traveling and feel like you're confined in a little box. So holiday in hotels and um, hotels like that offer suites. And if you can go online on your trip days and find a suite, you can get a dining room, a small kitchenette, a living space, quarters so that when you are traveling and then you go back to your room after a busy day, people have their own privacy and places to go and unwind. The kids can be in an area. Mom and dad can be in another, especially if you're traveling with young children. I mean, space 
space is key. And again, that's not necessarily linked to price tag. We recently went to New York City um, in the spring and we found an older hotel with a large square footage and we were able to set up nooks. We used bed sheets to create little walls and privacy for different people in the family. And everyone's really happy when they have their own um, space. And that's something people don't think about. They think, oh, we're just sleeping there and then we're going out. But mm-hmm. you're not just sleeping there. You're coming back and kids are tired and you don't want them jumping on your bed and your stuff and your clothes. And Yeah. I mean, I think when you're younger, you know, in the 20, in your 20s or you're traveling with a girlfriend and whatnot, it's easier to get away with just like one bed and the, and the four walls because you're not there much. But I think once you get a little bit beyond that stage of your life and you're looking to bring your family or you and your spouse need a bit of a getaway or a reconnection, it's really important that the room um, is up to your liking. And again, it's about that, that service feel like you really want good service and you want the space and you want amenities that you don't have to constantly keep paying for. Have you ever gone to a hotel and you get there and, and you know, you have to pay for the Wi-Fi and pay for the gym and there's all these add-ons. And nice. Like, oh, my gosh, everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you've got, and you're not sure at the minibar what's included, what isn't included. Is the tea and coffee? Can I, use, can I take that? Can I, is the bottled water? My, right. Or am I going to be charged 10 bucks for that bottle? And don't or, pick it up because the little yeah. sensor might automatically go to your bill. Oh, I actually yes. put something in a fridge um, to keep cold. I, I brought home and they came and checked it and they said well the sensors are like the weights are off I'm like but I added to it I didn't take away from anything I put it in it was just and that wasn't good um so I mean they have holiday and have the kids eat free right right so that's a good which a lot of families love so all of their um on-site restaurants you can take children under 12 and they eat free with adults. And that's a huge savings for families, like, you know, and a huge plus and free Wi-Fi, too, because a lot of kids these days, Mm. you know, like it or hate it. They're on their apps. They want to be on their games at night. They might want to curl up to a Netflix video or something. And so having that Wi-Fi included in the room um, so that they can have a little bit of downtime, I think is also a really um, important factor. And pools, you know, these resort-like amenities at at the non-resort price is another big thing when you're booking your travel and you want to get savings. I think people hate being nickel and dimed. Yes. Just tell me the price and then don't nickel and dime me every time I move. So for all the stressed and often disappointed women and moms out there, uh, share your tips so going forward, everyone has a good time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, uh, my first and foremost, the tip is always booking the right hotel in the right room. Because if you don't have the space to accommodate your family and give them a little bit of privacy, you're not going to have a good time. I'm a huge proponent myself of the kitchenette. A lot of people say I'm going away. I don't want to cook. But I find when you're with kids, um, oftentimes they're not ready to eat when you are. And and it's just nice sometimes to just make them a little uh, instant oatmeal while you're having your morning coffee so you don't have to rush out and get food. So I really think um, kitchenettes are a, a big plus. Um, and then making sure that you've got the amenities that you want. And like you said, um, the, the, the price should encompass everything. There shouldn't be those surprises that start straining the family down the road and knowing when to book, you know, booking ahead of time, um, traveling during the week can save you a lot of money. If you're, if you decide you can take the time off and you can book a hotel room you know, on those weeknights instead of the weekends, that can mm-hmm. save you a lot of money as well. Plus, there's you could get the pool to yourself. You could have the amenities to yourself. It's it's much quieter um, and more room selection. So those mm-hmm. suites will likely be, be available and not necessarily cost you a ton of money. So those are a couple of things that can really help. Um, but again, it takes a lot of planning. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the research before you go. How far ahead would you suggest people plan for a holiday with a family? If you're looking to maximize savings, 21 days is the magic number. So, Oh, I thought you were going to say eight months. <laughs> no, no, because sometimes if you book way, way, way in advance, you don't get those deals, you know, that you can get closer to. Uh, two weeks out will still get you um, some pretty good savings as well. And this is, um, of course, factoring in that you might have transportation like flights and whatnot. Once you get a lot of people say, well, we're just going to wait till the last minute and the airlines and the hotels are going to be clearing out those rooms. And that's what we want. We want those deals. It doesn't necessarily work that way. So it just depends how much of a gambler you are in terms of your travel plans. Are there really people with with three or four children who wait till the last minute? I mean... I just didn't think that was possible. It wasn't possible when I had my... It's not possible for me because no. I'm a, I like to plan. I like to know what I'm packing and where I'm going. Um, I, like I said, if you're, say you're a couple, my husband and I used to book our plane tickets, pre-children, fly across the world and have like one hotel booked maybe three days in, but then everything else before that and after that was we go where we go, we stay where we stay. Uh, would we do that with kids? Yeah, no. no. But I like your idea uh, of doing something with the children, and that's giving them the camera to take the oh, vacation yeah. photos. And it, and it is, there's a lot of um, happiness and gratification. I think over 60% of people report that when you come back from the vacation, you get the most satisfaction of looking back over those photos, chatting about memories. My family does something where, where we always do the, what was the best part of your day? Or what was your favorite part of the trip? Which allows everybody the opportunity opportunity to tell stories, you know, and reconnect. And, you know, our 12-year-old, it really gets him talking. Even the three-year-old starts sharing favorite memories from the trip. So we try to do that every day. But yes, giving the kids the camera and letting them snap away. Sometimes it's dangerous if you're giving them a smartphone because (laughs) my my toddler will hold the button down and then we get 93 of the same triple chin. Okay, so tell everyone where they can connect with you, the Holiday Inn, or, or find out more about this survey. Well, for more um, on all this information, you can go to HolidayInn.com. There's a ton of um, stats and deals. And then for more on general family travel um, tips, I have a website called FamilyTravelGuide.ca. Lots of tips, lots of tricks, and um, information for people looking to get some savings and maximize their fun. Well, Angie Campanelli, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you so much for having me. This is what she said. We'll be right back. Boomer Nutrition Energy Protein Powder is the first protein supplement specifically designed for people over 40. Their research-based formula helps your body combat aging by maintaining lean muscle and slowing age-related muscle loss with added B vitamins for energy and leucine. Boomer Nutrition Protein Powder helps you increase metabolism and support a healthy lifestyle. Use code WSSRADIO at Amazon.ca to save 25%. Visit MyBoomerNutrition.com for details. Be ageless. Live your life with Boomer Nutrition. Feeding the family got you frantic? As feeding two teenage boys, I mean, at the end of the week, that's all I really want to do is save some money on my groceries. Is your fridge ever actually full? Oh, my, no. <laughs> I think I'm the only person that comes to a radio interview with a cooler. Not only was it so much fun, but it was super easy. And even my kids, when we cut into it last night, they even looked at it and they were like, Mom, you made this? I think you can do this in your sleep. Wholesome, on-budget fixes from foodie Charmaine Broughton on What She Said Talk. 
Join us October 22nd at Bellevue Manor in Vaughan for a morning of fun, learning, and great camaraderie. Learn how to stay sharp as you age with guest speakers Dr. Vivian Brown, Dr. Nazarene Katri, and MC Camilla Scott. A wonderful morning of breakfast entertainment, special treats, and all proceeds go to McKenzie Health Foundation to support the Domestic Assault and Sexual Abuse Center. Go to thejoyofaging.ca for more info and see you on October 22nd. Back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. It's hard to believe that I couldn't see You were always there beside me Thought I was alone with no one to hold Well, joining us now is musicologist Eric Alper for On The Record. And this week he is talking about the shortest Hot 100 hits because last week we did the longest Hot 100 hits. That's right. And last week, the longest number Hot 100 hit was David Bowie's um, song that was nine minutes and 57 seconds. So these ones are a little bit shorter and you can put a little bit of an asterisk beside some of them because in the age of music streaming services, when a superstar artist like Beyonce or Ed Sheeran or Drake release an album, all of their songs end up on the chart because they are the most consumed rather than the ones that are the single. So mm. that was what I've been looking for by... Um, Andrew Seeley and Andrew Vanessa Seeley Ann Hudgens. and Vanessa Hudgens that it's found on the High School Musical soundtrack. That is one minute and twenty seven and twenty seconds long. And for those parents out there who think that no, 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 that's Zach Efron actually. It's kind of is and kind of not. Zach had his voice blended with Andrew's to make it sound better. So that's the fifth <laughs> longest Hot One Hundred song in history. And this is the fourth, and it's called Forward by Beyonce and James Blake. <laughs> So this is a prime example of all the songs on the album appearing on the Billboard Hot 100. This wasn't even a single, but this happens to be the shortest song on Beyonce's Lemonade album. It hit number 63 back in 2016. And James Blake has said that even though it's the shortest song that he's ever been a part of, it happens to be the one that made him the most money. <laughs> oh, well, that's important. <laughs> that's the power of Beyonce yeah. right there. Number three on the list is a song called A Some Kind of Earthquake by D- Dwayne Eddy and his twangy guitar. It's one minute and 17 seconds long. (laughs) I'm not even going to explain that one because I can't. And you've just heard... Basically, one-fifth of that song right there was written by two people, Dwayne Eddy and Lee Hazelwood, of course, and performed by Dwayne Eddy on the album One Million Dollars Worth of Twang, and it hit number 37 back in the day. Now, the second shortest Hot 100 song is by a group called The Women Folk, and it's called Little Boxes, and we're going to play it, and I'll explain a little bit about what that song is about. One, two... Three, let's all sing. Little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes made of ticky-tacky. Little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes all the same. 
There's a green one and a pink one and a blue one and a yellow one and they're all made out of ticky tacky and they all look just the same. And the people in the houses all went to the university. Well, that seems to be a very happy song, but in fact, it's a pretty angry song. It was originally going to be a hit for Pete Seeger, the very political um, singer back in 1963, but the women folk got a hold of it and brought it to number 83 in 1964. It's a song about the boring suburbia and the political ramifications of everybody just staying in line in the same house with the same people, with the same colors, all made of tiki-taki, which just look all the same. So that was the statement on that one. And the shortest song to make the Billboard Hot 100 is just 45 seconds long, and it's this one. I have a pen. I have an apple. Uh, apple pen. I have a pen. I have pineapple. Uh. Pineapple pen, apple pen, pineapple pen, uh, pen pineapple, apple pen. I would never go on record and insult anybody who consumes music, but how dare you bring this song into the Billboard Hot 100? That is PPAP, which stands for Pen Pineapple Apple Pen. It's 45 seconds long, and it hit number 77 back in 2016, and it was released by a Japanese comedian named Diamao Kosaka, and the media called him the new Psy and that song with the new Gangnam Style. You can thank social media for bringing that song to the top 100 list. Yeah, I have to say that a number of them on this list, I mean, I mean, why they were even published is beyond me, but to be on a list of a top anything? It, it's it's one of those things like it's, it's some of them are parody songs, like the PPAP one is definitely not a serious song. So it's kind of like a joke. Yeah, I know, but who wants to listen to it? I think you listen to it once, but then 113 million people just happen to be listening to that song all in the same week. So there you go. No need to do a nine-minute song like David Bowie. You could just do a (laughs) 45-second song like Japanese comedians do. (laughs) Well, thanks, Eric, and we'll chat with you next week. Eric Alper is brought to you by Roar Records. Download the new single Rise based on the heroic story of Olympian and Pan Am medalist Jessica Phoenix. You make me live now, honey. Ooh, you make me live. Oh, you're the best friend that I ever had. Travel is becoming a bigger and bigger topic of conversation these days. There are boomers set on working their way through their bucket list, and then there are millennial children who prefer an experience to a thing. Our next guest understands all that and is here to share what her travel startup offers. Karen Samra, welcome to What She Said. Thank you. Now, tell us about how Locafy got started. Yeah, so it, uh, it really got started. I had a break from my work and I had a chance to kind of reflect on travel and different places I'd been to. And, um, and you know, I, I kind of compared places where I got to connect with someone on a personal mm-hmm. level and then other places I had just passed through. So in my 20s, I did a solo backpacking trip throughout Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, in, in one of the cities, uh, Budapest, I managed to meet uh, a local there. His name was Sabi. And that was really the first Locafi experience uh, for me. It was uh, 
I walked all over the city with him and got to know about Budapest, about the history, and also about him on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And um, in that same trip, I went to other places like Prague, where I just, you know, did the standard touristy thing of of seeing the main sites. And when I think back, sort of ten years later, I don't think about Prague anymore. But what um, Budapest is really alive in my memory because of the person that I met there. So I, you know, thinking about all of this, I realized how important people are to travel and how everyone should have that opportunity of having an experience like I, I had in mm-hmm. Budapest. So um, I thought about this and I felt like, um, you know, something like Lokfi is missing in the world and I could be the one that uh, makes it happen. <laughs> You could be the one they say, there's an app for that. (laughs) So how exactly does it work? Yeah, so uh, on Locify, uh, uh, anyone can go on and uh, tell us about the city that they're traveling to, uh, their preferred date, how long they would like for the tour, and then then we find someone who's the best fit. So at this stage, we're doing a lot of things hands-on, so it's, we kind of react on demand. So in... There's a high chance we already have a network of locals wherever you're going to. We've been, we've had tours in 160 cities so far. Wow. Um, but uh, even if we haven't, with with a couple of days' notice, we can um, recruit there and uh, and find the best person. So the person goes on and you select a person for them, or do they maybe have a choice? Uh, at this stage, uh, we are um, choosing the best person for the traveler. Okay. So we take their preferences into account, their language preference into account. That's mm-hmm. uh, an important one. Um, and, um, and yeah, we, we match uh, the travelers up with the, with the right person. Okay, so on that note, um, how do you vet the locals you hire to ensure safety and security of travelers? Because I imagine yeah. that's a concern. Yeah, of course. So it's like any job interview. So um, people apply and we look at their application. That's the first level of filter. Um, and then we have an interview with them, um, usually about half an hour to get to know them better, mm-hmm. make sure they're a good fit. And the kind of things we're looking for is just knowledge of the city, obviously, but also um, how well they interact, um, their social skills, because it's really about, you know, who can, who has that ability to connect with people uh, in, on a personal level quickly. How, what, the people who apply for that job, um, it's interesting. Um, what is their reaction? Why do they want to do it? Yeah, so I don't really think of it as uh, a job. I, it's it's uh, the way we position it is uh, it's really something fun to do on the side. Mm-hmm. So we don't work with professional tour guides. We work with uh, people who are outside of the tourism industry completely in general uh, because uh, we want to provide an experience that's more authentic. And to me, authenticity comes from um, a place where you're doing something because you enjoy it and not just for, you know, the monetary gain. So, mm-hmm. and also, uh, you know, a, a professional tour guide does the same tour day in, day out, maybe yeah. several times a day. Becomes robotic. Yeah. And how can that really right. stay authentic? It's more of a performance. 
Well, I just got back recently from Croatia, and we had rented a, a place to stay. But the owner was fabulous, and I would imagine that he, he, this would be the kind of thing. He took us around the entire city, told us some of the history, showed us places that that weren't on the tourist, you know, path. Yeah. And that, and that's, I think, why I like Split uh, the best out of my whole trip because <laughs> yeah. he added to it. Right? Yeah, he really did. Yeah. Kieran, for somebody who is traveling, how far ahead should they go onto Locafy and try and find somebody? I think if we have a few weeks' notice, especially uh, if you want to plan it so that you could do a Locafy experience in every city that you're going to, mm-hmm. okay. uh, it's good to have a couple of weeks head heads up so that uh, in case some of the some of the smaller cities, if we haven't yet started to recruit there, then we can get that started. Okay, so tell people how they can find out more. How do they, yeah, where so do they, go? they can go on locafi.com. And, and that's L-O-K-I-F. No, no. K- <laughs> L-O-K-A-F-Y. F-Y.com. Right. Yeah. A lot of people ask me about the name too. So, uh, so lok means people in Hindi. Yeah. And phi means to make. So the idea is to make your travel about people. Just about the pricing, because uh, that's an important point. So you pay uh, according to the, the length of tour and the number of people in the group. So it's uh, $15 an hour per person uh, or 25 an hour for solo travelers. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening. This is what she said. We'll be right back. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Fashion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. What She Said is more than women-positive news. First, it's a radio show on the Jewel Network with a dedicated and growing audience of affluent men and women aged 35+. plus. But What She Said is also a digital platform with thousands of followers, the ideal target market for your brand. What She Said features companies and trendsetters, those on the leading edge of fashion, business, lifestyle, entertainment, travel, technology, and finance. Get your brand on What She Said and get results. Go to whatshesaidtalk.com. And now, more women-positive news you can use. This is What She Said. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. We're here for a good time Well, you may recognize the name Mill Street Brewery, but the association is with beer. That is changing. It now involves gin. Actually, it starts with Mill Street's distilling mastermind, Martha Lowry, who joins us in studio this evening. Welcome to What She Said. Thanks. So tell us a little bit, um, you know, about the specifics. You must be awfully proud. You're apparently one of the very few women distillers who exist, and you've been chosen to lead this new direction. Exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I, I really love the distilling program for Mill Street, and it's 
been great sort of exploring that. So how did how did it come up about? Um, we started distilling in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, and I joined the program about a year and a half ago. Uh, they started distilling just beer schnapps, which is a distilled beer. Mm-hmm. Um, distilling our tank house beer specifically. And then when I came in, we wanted to do the beer schnapps and do this distillery root beer, which is a spiked root beer with the beer schnapps as the spirit in it. <laughs> yeah, which was really fun. Um, and it was a crazy summer last year doing all that. And then uh, once winter rolled around, those sort of cooler like products slow down. And I had some time and I said, I really, really want to do gin. Um, and I really, really want to <laughs> do whiskey. So I, I just started playing. I started I started making whiskey, um, and then I have a lab scale size still, and I started just doing test batches of gin all winter long until I came up with something I wanted. Well, Mill Street um, has the credit for doing a, a number of things. One of them is bringing distilling back after 50 years yeah. in that area. Yeah. But I want to know about you. What's your background? What what education or experience would someone need to be a distiller? Did you, were you five and said, that's what I want to do? <laughs> I want to make gin. I want to make gin. <laughs> no, I think I'll do whiskey. Um, I, I guess I feel like I came to it late, but then I'll talk to people and they're like, no, you, you came to it pretty young because you, you really can only start thinking about distilling once you're 19. Um, well, legally. Legally. <laughs> um, but I... I've always I have a degree in horticulture, and mm-hmm. I've been, always been really interested in uh, making products out of plants. And so, when I got more and more into spirits and more into gin and whiskeys, I thought I was thinking a lot about, especially Ontario products and how we could make them into like a beautiful spirit that sort of captures the essence of of that yeah. land and is really really creative. So. Um, I, I got, as I got into whiskey, I was thinking, oh, let's use all these local grains. Um, and as we're getting more into gins, let's let's see what we can play with. Let's see what we can grow. And just combined all my all my loves. But I didn't know really anything about distilling growing up, and which is it's just too bad. I wish that people <laughs> knew knew it was an option as a sci- it's like it's it's an applied science. It's this amazingly creative thing. Um, and I didn't know about it till much, much older. And now I'm, I'm, I wish that everybody knew. You're hooked. <laughs> I'm totally hooked. What's the difference between brewing and distilling? So brewing um, is, you're making typically beer and you're fermenting a, a barley-based product. So dis- distilling uses that. So to make my gin, I must first brew something. Um, so I actually take barley and water and yeast and ferment mm-hmm. a, a beer, for lack of a better term, but it's um, it's free of hops. So there's no hops in that part of it. Right. Whereas if I added hops and fermented it, then it would become a beer and I would carbonate it and filter it and make it into regular beer. Okay, so it, you have it there. So I have it there. And then what and happens? And so it starts, it starts as this alcoholic beverage. So you always have to start with alcohol. Distilling doesn't make alcohol. And then dis- distillation is the process of separating separating things based on temperature. So um, ethanol evaporates at 78 degrees Celsius. Water evaporates at 100. So as you heat up a still, all that ethanol starts to come over first. So that's we end up collecting that off and basically making a concentrated product off of the original fermentation. Sounds great. So what was in your mind when you went about creating the gin? What, what flavors were you going for? Um, when I was creating the gin, I... I travel a lot. My partner travels a lot too, and I I'd had a lot of gins 
that are just like really lovely sipping gins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that London, the London dries that we have in Ontario are not, they're amazing mixed, but they, you don't want to sit down and sip them. So I wanted to create something that was really sippable, really smooth. And I wanted something a little bit more citrus forward because we don't have many citrusy gins in Ontario available to us. Um, so I wanted to do something citrusy and I wanted to include hops because I work in a brewery and there's so many hops and I knew that they would make something really, really interesting. So when I, when I think of gin, I think of a gin and tonic. Yes. But you're talking about having a sipping gin, yep. which I assume you wouldn't be watering down with a beverage. So what, what, what kind of sort of food pairings are we talking about? What does it go with? Um, so I did, it is a sipping gin. It's funny when I did the trials, I actually, would taste it straight, and then I would taste it with tonic because Ontarians, Canadians, we we love gin and tonics. Uh, <laughs> and I knew that if we if I made a gin that wasn't good with tonic, it was going to be just too much for most people. So I wanted to make sure that that was good, and I love gin and tonics, so it is definitely good with tonic. We both do too. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> it's great. They're great. Um, so I, gin and tonic is great, and then if I'm doing it with food. Um, I really like it with like a lighter cheese. So like getting into like buffalo mozzarella is that kind of thing. Um, it's really lovely with seafood. Um, so mm. one of the classic things to do with gin is to make something like gravelax, which is a salmon cured in, mm-hmm. in gin. Mm-hmm. So anything that reminds me of that, so dill and salmon, like waxy potatoes, things like that, will, will do really well with a bright sort of citrusy gin. Yeah. What size is it sold in? It's sold as 750 milliliter, so a standard, standard bottle. And how much is it? It's forty nine ninety five. And where can you buy it? You can buy it only currently at our retail store, which is down in the in the distillery district. So good excuse to come to the distillery. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and the whiskey. What do you? You started with the whiskey. There's a song in there somewhere. <laughs> it could be in the gin, right? Um, so so now is is the whiskey available now or is that something you're moving on to or the whiskey isn't available yet it will our first whiskey is coming out in the fall so Mm. we're very excited about that so we did start putting down whiskey to age in 2013 whiskey in Canada must be at least three years old to be considered whiskey um, and it must be aged in an oak barrel so it's we're just about to have our first one and then the ones that I started distilling this past year won't be won't be ready for at least three years or more well, since you're so ahead of the curve, what are you working on next? Because we know that both you and Mill Street always lead the charge. <laughs> um, my next, I guess my next uh, biggest dream is, well, I need to make more gin. It's selling quick. <laughs> and then um, I'm getting, I'm working on offsite storage for barrels because uh, I've just run out of, out of space. So I'm going to be doing a lot more whiskey. Um, and then I, I don't know. There's so many cool things out there. Whether we whether we go into things like Aquavit, whether we keep playing with other beer schnapps, I'm not I'm not sure at this point. I just got so excited about the gin and then focused right in on it. So you have a long wish list, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe do a different gin. Um, have a ho- whole family of them. We'll see. Well, if I if I sipped this gin, which mm-hmm. you neglected to bring us in <laughs> sample, what would I taste? What are the flavors I would taste? Um, so when I sip this gin, the first thing I notice is it's smooth. Um, and that is because of the licorice in it. So you get these licorice notes, but not super, super strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sugar and licorice distills over. So it's got this almost sweetness to it. Uh, it's very citrusy. You get that lemon, lemon drop sort of flavor from the zest of the grapefruit and lemon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
the juniper is there, but it's more of like a piney juniper. It's not a really heavy, waxy juniper. And I get it in the middle palate, I get a pepperiness that comes from the grains of paradise. Um, and it finishes off, it like lingers. It's got this floral sort of nose and aftertaste that you get from the orris root, which is the Siberian iris. It's, it's used in perfume as well. What's the reaction that you've had from people who've tried it? So far, everybody loves it. Yeah, I, um, I've had a really, really great reviews. People, people aren't used to drinking gin straight, too. So if they, they no, try it and they're like, wow, I can just I can sip this like whiskey. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's been it's been really, really positive. And it's called small batch gin. It's called small batch gin because it is a small batch. I mean, currently I am the only person working in distilling for Mill Street. The whole thing is me. Um, <laughs> there is marketing people behind me and that kind of stuff, but the actual production is just me. I mean, I hand label the bottles. This first batch was only 619 bottles, and the size of my still will keep it that. I can never make a bigger batch than that. Okay, and tell everyone where they can get it or how they can find out more. Yeah, so um, I, down in the distillery right. district in mm-hmm. Toronto, um, we have a retail store and we also have a restaurant there. So you can taste it at the restaurant or you can purchase it at the retail store. Uh, it's 21 Tank House Lane. Martha Lowry, congratulations to you and the team at Mill Street. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been great. This is what she said. Stay with us. Do you know someone with tingling, numbness, or pain in their hands or feet? Do you know someone with poor balance, difficulty walking, or at risk of falling? These may be symptoms of nerve damage caused by diabetes. Nutarnic Essentials Diabetic Neuropathy Supplement is targeted nutritional therapy for the maintenance of your health. Developed by Dr. Evan Lewis, an expert on nerve health and regeneration. Learn how to optimize your health today at Nutarnic.com. That's N-U-T-A-R-N-I-Q.com. Adding some extra sparkle to your home is easy with Glass Lighting Gallery. Now with two locations to serve you, each featuring hundreds of in-stock pennants, lamps, and chandeliers to choose from. And both come with Glass Lighting Gallery's friendly staff that will help you find the perfect lighting solution for your home. It's bling for your home at Glass Lighting Gallery, 28 Commerce Park Drive in Barrie, and now open in Orillia at the corner of Mississauga and West Street. Visit glasslightinggallery.ca. Saturday and Sunday evenings at 10 o'clock on Light and Refreshing, Jewel Radio. When you just can't handle that downsizing move, clutter be gone to the rescue. A brand new painless scan for skin cancer that sees more with Clarity Med Spa's Chantel Ward. Eric Alper with some back-to-school music, the reinvention of a medical doctor into a sought-after health food store owner, and Melanie Peterson in our live studio sessions. And now, more women-positive news you can use. This is What She Said. What She Said said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. I'm gonna take this leap of faith Gonna break out of this cage Overcome this pain What you are listening to is Hard Times by Toronto alternative rocker Luke Austin. Welcome to What She Said. Thanks so much for having me. Your first record in 2012 was produced by Grammy-nominated Michael Hansen, who discovered you after a demo recording was passed along to him. Tell us uh, how you got started in biz. Yeah, for sure. Well, I did um, I did a demo in college of um, like kind of an acoustic duo-y song I'd uh-huh. written, and um, it ended up getting to Michael through kind of a friend of a friend. And uh, yeah, I got a phone call from him one time, and he's like, I'm Michael Hansen. I played in Glass Tiger. 
And, um, yeah, I guess I went over to his house, and um, he told me that he liked my voice, and I thought that we could do some great work together. So my first um, EP, um, which came out in, I think, 2015, so mm-hmm. nothing actually ended up getting released from that, but I actually got a chance to work on that with Alex Bonifant, um, mm-hmm. who's a, a really like well-known indie producer in the Toronto scene. He's done like July Talk and Crystal Castles, and um, a legend called Vance Powell down in Nashville got to work with and he does all Jack White's records he does Kings of Leon records so that was really really surreal experience now Hard Times is the first ever music release with exclusive content through Time Razor absolutely that's a Canada 150 project supporting mm-hmm. emerging Canadian artists and nonprofits. so how did you guys get connected I went to a Time Razor 150 party and I was walking around and there was all this great art and um, there's a silent auction in which you couldn't actually buy with money what you could do is you had to volunteer hours at your charity of choice And I thought it was just a really forward initiative because I thought it could catalyze um, people for the volunteer side, you know, and really get people more involved. So I called them up and I said I wanted to be involved and we came up with uh, doing a pre-release and I will be the first artist to give my music in exchange for volunteer hours at your charity of choice. That's excellent. Now you have a seven-day tour uh, coming up. What's next for you? Are you working on an album? Yeah, so I'm looking to release an album uh, early next year, 2018. Um, But in the meantime, I'm going to be releasing some singles, and I'm going to be very active on the road, trying to, you know, meet new people and just uh, have fun with it. So where where can people buy tickets? Um, So you can find all the information you want on my website at www.lukeaustinmusic.com. And if you want to interact with me on socials, you can at Twitter and Instagram at LukeAustinBand. And wow. your next show is September 8th at Fox Lounge in Barrie. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. What She Said will be back next Saturday at 10 p.m. And don't forget, you can find us online at whatshesaidtalk.com. Now here in our live studio sessions is Luke Austin performing Hard Times. Thank you. It was a long, hard summer day. And I awoke so suddenly And I was feeling kinda lonely And I was feeling kinda lonely I'm gonna take this leap of faith Help me break out of this cage And go away this pain And I look back again All times are coming All times are coming now All times are coming All times are coming now All times are coming All times are coming coming. I can't see But I won't let it get to me Burning the candle every night Mile after mile in overdrive I'm feeling down but I can't keep up Feeling so down and I can't keep up Streetlights and fireflies guide the way Pale moonlight turns to day The sun will rise and I'll be okay 
And I got nothing left to say All times are coming, all times are coming now All times are coming, all times are coming now All times are coming, all times are coming I can see, but I won't let it get to me Hey listeners, I'm Christy, and I'm Melissa, and this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.